going to come and speak to us this morning. And we're so looking forward to hearing all that God's given you for us, Kate. Let me pray for you before you speak. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've blessed this community with this amazing woman. We thank you for her heart for you, her deep love for you. And thank you for all that you've given her to share and say. And as she pours that out upon us today, Lord, I pray that you would pour your anointing afresh upon her. Lord, I pray that we would know what it means to just be enfolded in your love and your care as you speak to us today. Thank you that we are all children of God. And thank you um, for this amazing child of God, Kate. And thank you that you use her mightily to speak to us. We pray your blessing upon her now. Amen. Thank you so much, Anna. What a wonderful start. Um, isn't it a huge privilege to be have this as our spiritual home? Yes, isn't it just? Isn't it wonderful having Jerry and Camilla and this amazing, amazing staff team? It's such a blessing. Um, so today we're thinking about um, how we see God, and it's really quite important how we see And um, I have to, you can see, I wear glasses, and I am really now increasingly in trouble without my glasses. Is there anybody else suffering from declining eyesight here? Yes, there's quite quite a few of us. It's a real pain. And I also have a problem with my increasing years in losing things. So I regularly lose my glasses. And last week, um, I... It was my, my son's got a new girlfriend and it was her birthday. So I thought I would send her a little Facebook message. Couldn't find my glasses. Did that thing where you try and wing it without your glasses? And, um, I, I, you know, have a kind of nice little GIF image that I sometimes send. So I thought I was sending that image. Unfortunately, I was sending, yo, little brother, happy birthday. Which is kind of, it's just not cool at all. Um, so it's really important that we see properly. And most important, of course, is how we see God. Stephen Fry famously said, I don't believe in God because he is an evil, capricious, monstrous maniac. I don't believe in that God either. So what is God like? It's up there among the most important questions that you will ever ask. Now, you might say, the problem is, I can't see God. I mean, he's invisible, isn't he? So how can we know what God is like if we can't see him? Well, wonderfully, God came to show us what he's like in Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you see in God. So we get to know what God is like. And because I'm a writer, I love it that Jesus told us stories to show us what God's like. And I'm really thrilled that I get to have the, the ace card this week and to speak on one of my favorite stories of all, which is a story of the lost sheep. Now, I'm really aware that, you know, we're not in big sheep country in Hampton Wick, so I think we should have a picture of some just to kind of help us relate to the story. Um, Stay with me, because this story is for us. And I'm going to read it out. It's in Luke chapter 15, if you want to look at it. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, supposing one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep till he finds it? So you can kind of imagine the scene. There's, um, you know, the, the shepherd comes and he's doing his nightly count up of his sheep and he gets to, you know, 85, 86, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Where's number 100? And, and number 100's not there. So he goes out to look for it. And maybe we can just see our little lost sheep up there. And it's not Richmond Park. We're talking in the Middle Eastern mountains. There are no paths. The shepherd is scrambling through the brambles, up the rocky hills, calling, calling, calling for his sheep. And finally, he finds it stuck on a ledge, tangled up in brambles. So what does he do? Well, the sheep has been wandering lost for a long time. Sheep actually don't like going off on their own. And it's too tired to walk. So he hoists it up on his shoulders. And here we have it. Now, sheep are pretty big. You know, we get these nice little pictures of Jesus with a little lamb on on his shoulders. But actually, apparently, sheep weigh between, with a fleece, between 175 and 300 pounds. That's a big weight to carry on your shoulders. And I think if that was me, I'd have been pretty hacked off. I'd have, I'd have gone. I'd probably look a bit like this chap here, a little bit grumpy, because I've got to carry this massive thing home. So let's get rid of him, because that's not how Jesus acts. So if we could just remove him, thank you. Our shepherd in our story is so full of joy that he has found his sheep, that he puts it up on his shoulders, and we're told he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and he throws a party. He's just absolutely full of joy. And I found myself remembering how my husband used to just love carrying our kids on his shoulders. And and this shepherd, he actually loves his sheep. So two things this story tells us about what God is like, because it matters what you think God is like. The first is that he's like a shepherd looking for a lost sheep. He's described as that throughout the Bible, because all the leaders and kings just keep messing up, and we're seeing a bit of that in our country at the moment. God promises Through the prophet Ezekiel, I myself will search for my sheep and I will shepherd them. I'll be a new sort of leader. So in this story, and when Jesus says in John's gospel, I'm the good shepherd, he's actually making the most staggering, massive claim. He's claiming that he is God. If that's true, that changes absolutely. Absolutely everything. He's claiming he's coming to look for his lost sheep, and that's you and that's me. Now, 
We might not so easily relate to the idea of, of, of a shepherd now, but I reckon most of us relate to losing things. Uh, just raise a hand if you've lost something this week. Yeah, there's quite a lot of us, actually. I, um, I had a little, little moment this week. You're going to think I'm completely potty by the end of this talk. But I was um, looking everywhere for my car keys. And I just, I'd gone through the handbags and I was thinking, oh no, you know, I've now, I'm going to have to order a second set. And I found one set of car keys and I thought, well, just maybe I left my handbag in my car. And I, I went to the car and I clicked and the keys I got weren't working. So I thought I've only got one set and they're not working. And, um, eventually I, I walked around and found the reason they weren't working was because the other set of keys were in the ignition where I'd left them all night just for any passers-by who might like to take my car now the wonderful thing is that God is much better at looking for things than me and he is utterly committed to look for you our shepherd lost his sheep now you might think he's still got 99 why does the one matter? But this story tells us that each one of us matters to God. Right now, here, he sees you in this room. He's calling you by name. He knows you. I love this account from a shepherd who lived in southeastern Turkey in 1900. He lost one goat from his herd at the foot of the mountain, and he said this, for four hours, my brother and I sought for our goat in the moonlight and through thick, thorny bushes, climbing and descending again. We imitated our, her call. Can somebody just do a goat call? Thank you. <laughs> At, that was really good. At last, weary and bleeding from the thorns, we heard a faint call and to our unspeakable, Speakable delight, we found her. That's what God's like, full of unspeakable delight when he finds us. It tells us that each of us matter to him. It says that he loves each of us. He's not content with the other 99 that he's already got. A friend of mine, um, dear friend, took her kids and her nieces and nephews out blackberry picking up on Exmoor, and they've got a massive Land Rover, so they packed all these kids into the Land Rover and started to come home, and all, I think it was about eight of them, jumped into the Jeep, and they got back home again, and suddenly they were calling everybody for supper, and she realized she'd left her niece behind absolute horror so what did she think well i've still got seven that's fine <laughs> no she called her friends she called the police and they went out searching and they did find the little girl who somebody had delivered to a police station but you see god he's not satisfied with not having you he's always seeking us out. When people rejected him, he didn't turn away from us. He went all the way to the cross to take on himself our sin, our shame, to die our death for us. That's what God's like. He is always calling your name, always seeking you when you are far from him. And it's true if you don't know him today. 
I, I, one of the greatest joys of my life has been seeing God come and rescue people. It's what he does. I've seen people rescued from addiction. I've seen people rescued from deep shame, deep hurt, deep grief. And I've known him do that for me. He's so kind. If you don't know him today, don't wait. It's the best decision you will ever make. He's seeking you. And it's true if you don't know him. And it's still true if you've been a Christian for years and years. Because I can still get myself in a tangle like that sheep in those tangled bushes. We can get ourselves tangled up in anger, in hurts, in relationships that are a bit messed up. Uh, Some of you know that we've suffered a lot of grief. You can get tangled up in a massive emotion. And I have found that when we call out to God, he hears that faintest cry. And, And as we listen, we discover he is calling our name. Second thing about this wonderful saviour is that he is delighted to bring us home. I still meet a lot of people who think that being a Christian is about trying to be a good person. It's about trying to keep the rules. Go to church reasonably regularly and you might just scrape in. But Jesus absolutely kicked that out of the water because he welcomed sinners into his home. He welcomed the bad people. And I think we really struggle to realize how shocking that was. He was a rabbi. You know, what was he doing? Welcoming the, the, the sinners into his home. I, I discovered that apparently the, the phrase that they use for um, the Greek there, the Pharisees actually said, this, and it's kind of, it doesn't say anything else, but in essence it says, this so-and-so this so-and-so, he welcomed sinners into his home. They were so horrified because he was welcoming in the sex workers, the tax collectors, the bad people. So do not think that anything can disqualify you from meeting with God. He, he just is longing, longing, longing to welcome you home. And actually, I hadn't realized until I looked at the commentaries, he welcomed them into his home really moved me that. I just just had never quite noticed that Jesus actually brought people into his home. And at that time, the rabbis, you know, you were unclean if you were a sinner. No, no, no Pharisee was ever going to eat with you. They actually ate alone because they didn't want to become dirty. They didn't want to become unclean. And here's Jesus welcoming in the sinners. They don't get it, so he tells them this story that they've got completely the wrong end of the stick about what God is like because he's the shepherd who welcomes us home and he does it with such enormous joy. And I find this so encouraging for me that Jesus welcomes me home. It's the heart of Christianity that God has made a way for us to come home. And I think deep down we know that deep down we're homesick for God. This is where we find our heart's true home. So Jesus tells this story of this shepherd who goes out and looks for this sheep. What happens when he finds the sheep? Does he say, you bad sheep? Does he he hit it? 
Does he throw a rope around its neck and say, right, you've got a long walk. Well, I'm going to, you've got to walk home over these mountains. No, he picks up the sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and carries it. And do you know, the early image for Christianity in the church, the first century image wasn't actually the cross. If you go to the catacombs, what you see on the chalices, on the, on the walls of the catacombs, is a picture of a shepherd with a sheep round its shoulders. Because this is, this is our heart image of what God is like. God wants you to know that he will carry you. And I don't know what you're facing ahead, but whatever you are facing, God's promise is that he'll carry you. And I love it that uh, I was uh, at something with John Kissel this week. He didn't know what I was preaching on. He didn't know that this picture had been just filling my head. He said, Kate, I've got a picture for you. And it's of a shepherd and the sheep is carried on his shoulders. So I really believe this is God's word for us today, that he wants you to know that he will carry you through. You don't just come to him. He promises that he will carry you through this Christian life and enable you to live it. So what part do we have to play in this amazing gospel story? Because it does sound a bit like God does the whole thing, but we do actually have a part to play. God never forces himself on us. And the, the little clue is in the final thing that Jesus said. He said, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't bother. And there's a little word in there, that word repent. And it's another one of those words that we get a bit of a skewed image of. We get a kind of funny idea, like we get wrong ideas about God. And we think repentance is a kind of beating ourselves up and that it's something really negative. But actually, do you know, in the Greek, it just means to turn. It's a very little word. It speaks of a change of mind of me turning around, changing my mind, and entrusting myself to Jesus as my saviour. And I don't know if we've got one more image of the prodigal son. I don't know if we've got it. I love this picture. After my husband Trevor died, um, the children, he so loved telling the story of the son who came home to the love of the father that the children in the school, where often he told it, um, they made this picture. And every, every stone is made by one child. They, did, they embroidered the leaves. And it's such a precious thing to me because it speaks of the joy of the Father when he welcomes us home. And you may not know it, but God is so full of joy when you turn to him, whether it's the first time or for the 51st. And we do make false starts, but God is here today and he's that same good shepherd. So I want to invite you to stand and we're just going to have an opportunity to turn our hearts to the Lord together. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are here 
by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're showing us what you really are like. And I want to pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would move on every person here. And I I wonder whether you can just see where you are in this story. That God would show you where you are. Are you are you like that sheep and you've got yourself caught in some brambles? And if that's you, then just in your heart, just ask Jesus to come. And maybe you have never entrusted your life to this good shepherd, but you're here today and you're seeking him and he is seeking you. He's seen you from the beginning, from before the creation of the world, and he has always loved you. And maybe you just know that you need the Lord to pick you up and carry you today. He's so kind to just ask him to do that. And maybe you need to know his great joy over you, that he brings you home full of joy today. So I'm going to pray a prayer. If, um, if you've never yet trusted your life to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer today. And uh, you could just echo it in your heart. We'd love it if you'd come and tell us afterwards because there's the, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So let's just pray together. Father, we thank you that you have shown us what you're like in Jesus Thank you that you are the good shepherd who comes to look for us. We're so sorry for all the times we've wandered off and done stuff for ourselves and not trusted you. And today we turn to you. We entrust our lives to you to follow and obey you, to live for you. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you gave your life that we might be forgiven and that you are so full of joy over us. Amen.